So, as a church, we've been talking about, or better still, we've said that for the next year, we'll be looking into there is more because there's more of God. And I thought it's really important that I say that we can only get the more of God that we can draw out of God. And I'll share a quick story before we can do that because I just wanted us all to be very aware that it's what we pull from God that we get. And my quick story is going to be about, I don't know how many of us know about the the story of the, Lord help me today, the story of the lady with issue of blood. So the Bible says that she had been carrying this disease, this illness for 38 years. And she heard Jesus was coming, so she came and there was a gathering, there were loads of people. And can you imagine that Jesus is um, dressed in his garments and there are loads of people. And when that woman touched him, he said somebody had touched him. And the Bible says that some, his disciples are like, what, 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 what is he talking about? Because there's lots of people touching him. That woman's touch was different because her touch drew something out of Jesus that nobody else there had done. What she drew out of Jesus was for her, from her desire for healing. What I'm saying is, if we want to see more of God, we've got to draw more out of him. We've got to reach out for his garment with faith, believing that we'll get much more. So saying that there is more, unfortunately, there won't be more if we don't pull something out of God. And I'm praying that by the end of this, this afternoon, that we're able to, to pull that more out of God, to bless us, but more than that, so that we are a blessing to other people. And the name of Jesus, the, way, oh, the, name, the, the, the name of God that we're going to be looking at today is found in Isaiah. It says, the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There are quite a lot of names, aren't there? But one thing that struck me that God opened my eyes to see is that that name contains the Trinity. In that name, counselor, advocate, you find the Holy Spirit. You find God the Father, and you find Jesus. That is the Trinity, the, 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 the three-in-one God, all in that. And the first time we're going to experience that, and I, I, won't, I won't read it, but I'll tell you, and if you want to, go and look at Genesis. The first time we're going to experience God in the Bible in that form is in creation, when um, the Bible talks about God um, time for creation. The Bible says the Spirit of God hovers over the earth and God the Father is present. So the Holy Spirit is going over the earth. God, is, God the Father is present. And then God speaks, let there be, let there be, let there be. And we know that Jesus is the Word of God. So for the first time in Scripture, we're seeing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in one in action. And a few verses down there, I think it's Genesis 1, probably about 28. The Bible then says, God then says, 
let us create man in our image. And that us, us is again Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God creates all the things and is beautiful. And then Adam has Eve and everything is going well. And Adam and Eve attempted. They then go against God's word and there is a separation in relationship with God. There is a break in relationship. Something, the relationship between God and man is broken. If you look at Genesis 3, it talks about the fact that God then comes into the Garden of Eden and he's coming in and the Bible says that he, he walks in because he wants to fellowship with Adam and Eve. And for the first time, they hide away because the bond between them, the relationship between them and God is broken. But God, in, in the love for us, starts to look at what am I going to do because he created us so we can have fellowship with him. And this is where the story, again, we start to talk about Jesus. But if you have uh, your Bibles with you, whether switch you on, if you go to Isaiah 9, we're going to read Isaiah 9 now. And Isaiah here is making an announcement of what God is about to do to change this relationship that is broken. We'll start from Isaiah verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. We're going to stop there. He will be called. I want us to also now think about some situations in Scripture where God changes and, and, and the power of name, because I know there's some parts of the world where names are important, but names are important to God. So we see with Abraham, he calls him Abraham when he wanted to do something different in his life. He did the same with Sarah. He changes the name when he wants to do something different in her. He takes Saul. He makes him Paul when he wants to do something different in him. Names are important to God. So when Isaiah is speaking here about what the Messiah is going to be called, it's not just an off statement. It's a profound statement of God saying what he wants to do to, in our lives. And then he says, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He says, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne and his ancestors and his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's army will make, will be made in, will make this happen. So we see here where God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are appearing here. If you turn your Bibles to Ephesians, you know, we're going to be looking at a few scriptures. If we go into Ephesians 2, now in the New Testament, something like this is going to be men mentioned again. So Ephesians 2. Just finding mine. Verse 14. Now, 
Paul is talking about exactly what Isaiah was talking about, what God was going to, about, was going to do through the birth of Christ, and just reminding people in Ephesus of the, the whole point of it. He says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross. Now, I wanted also to remember that we had communion today, and the whole idea is that the nailing of Christ, the crucifixion, was because that broken relationship, God wanted to bring us back into communion, into fellowship with him. In verse 15, he says, he did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and its regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Verse 16, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us come to the Father, the everlasting Father we're talking about, the mighty God we're talking about, through the same Holy Spirit, the wonderful counselor that we talked about, because of what Christ, the Prince of Peace, has done for us. And I ask myself, and, and I know that we say this, we want more of God and we want more of God and we want God expressing himself in the names that we call him. And what I've found is that the wonderful counselor, a lot of us have no clue about him. The everlasting father, we know a lot about the mighty God, we all know there is a God. The Prince of Peace, some, some people here might think, you know, I don't have a relationship with God, but we all heard about Jesus. But I wonder if one of the reasons why the things that Jesus said we would experience on this earth, we're not experiencing it, is because our relationship with the Holy Spirit still needs a lot of work, and that includes me. We're going to look at scriptures where Jesus is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying in, in excitement for you and I to say that it's supposed to be better than what we're experiencing. Jesus, we will look at it. He's, Jesus talks about, you're, 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 you're better off when I go away because of this Holy Spirit. If you turn with me to John 7. We're just going to look at one of the things that Jesus said. And 38. So John 7, verse 38. On the last day, the climax of the fe festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowd, Anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me, may come and drink, for the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from your heart, or from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit, 
who would give to everyone believing in him? But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was yet to enter into his glory. So the Holy Spirit, the key part of the Godhead that is relevant for our time, was not going to start doing anything until Jesus had been crucified, he was raised from the dead, he came back, he was glorified, and then there was a change. Turn again to John 14. you, what I love, I mean, when you read the scriptures, you see, I love the way Jesus speaks because he just never, he just says what he wants to say, you know, and I, I love that. In, in verse 15, he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And here's the key. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. God is absolutely important. Jesus is absolutely important. The Holy Spirit is important. The truth is, we will never get where God wants us to get in him. We're not going to see there is more without the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. In short, do not expect to go out on the street or to see it on the press, the importance of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is saying this. I didn't say Jesus is saying, actually, he, you won't hear much about him because it takes having a relationship with God for you to even have an inkling. To be honest, if the world knew of the importance of the Holy Spirit, I bet, well, BBC News, it will we'll talk about the Holy Spirit first. But Jesus is saying that they will not have an idea about him. Not because they don't want to, they just can't. And then he says, but you know him because he lives in you now and later will be in you. I'm going to stop first here in verse 18. Because one, one, one big statement Jesus is going to make, which is really important. We know what an orphan is. An orphan is someone who doesn't have a mother or a father. And Jesus uses this. He says, And I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come with you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but, I will, but you will see me. Since I leave, you will also leave. I think what Jesus is saying is, I'm not going to be here. The Holy Spirit is going to be here. And I, I I know that in the last few weeks, there's been a lot of talks about the Holy Spirit, and I think it's important that we talk about the Holy Spirit. If we want our relationship to, to, with, with God to be different, if we want to do things in the power of God, because we cannot do it in our strength at all, then we've got to realign our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Again, John 16. And that will be my last scripture for a few minutes. Sixteen, and I'll read. <laughs> but, I now, but now I am going away, 
to the one who sent me. He's saying that from the beginning. He says, and not one of you is asking me where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I told you. Verse 7, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If Jesus says it's best for me, then I choose to believe that it's best for me. So what Jesus is saying to us is that actually what you're doing now is wonderful, but you're better off without me. I'm going up to the Father. The Bible says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. So constantly, Jesus is doing what is best where Jesus is. Jesus is in the place of prayer at the right hand of the Father praying. But the person that we need to be able to live the life that we need to live on this earth is the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is saying is, it is best for you that I go away because I, if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him. And when he comes, he will convict the world of his sin, of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. There are Therein then lies the question, why is it that in the church we're reluctant to open ourselves to the Holy Spirit? We're reluctant to open ourselves to the power of God. We're reluctant to open ourselves to the third person of the Godhead that God has released to us so that we can do great things so he can do great things in us, so that he can do great things through us. Ken, sorry, can you? Thank you. Ken's done this a few times. <laughs> you don't need now, you know what to do. I'm just going to, if there's anything at all that you remember today, I just thought this will be something that will be graphic and help you to remember what we're talking about today. Sorry, can we have the lights off? Right. So first of all, I chose this, as I said to the guys in the first service, that... Um, I wanted to bring a big lamp, but then I thought, no, I won't bring a big lamp because if I brought a big one, some people will say, well, my faith is not that big. I'm a tiny Christian. I'm this. So I bought something in the size that is, would not be intimidating. And I say, this is me. I know there's God. And I know that because of what Jesus has done, there is a connection between me and God, the power source. But what the Holy Spirit does for me is that once I embrace him, the light comes on. I'm going to switch it off again. So for us as Christians... The Bible says that we are the light of the world. And honestly, our light will not shine the way it should until we reconnect to the Holy Spirit. 
so that it's not all about what I know. Thank God that Jesus did what he did, that I'm connected back to the source, the almighty God. But as a lamb, I'm absolutely useless. I can look beautiful, like we all do, um, but it can't serve its purpose. When I went to the shop to buy this, I bought it so that I can read. I bought it so that I can, it can light my life. And, I, and that's where a lot of us are, where without allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and do the work that he wants to do, we're just there sitting. And we need to, as a church, let the Holy Spirit do that. But I also, because there's so many people here that will say, you know, I know, I, I know the Holy Spirit. I have, I have a clue. Well, we all do. I do too. But one thing that God showed me this morning was that that is a very low light, isn't it? Actually, if I changed that bulb to a more powerful one, it would shine brighter. And all of that I can only do through the Holy Spirit. My prayer is that the hunger for God, the hunger for the Holy Spirit, will turn our lives all around. We can have the lights back on. Like I said earlier, that this is not um, a, a preach that is supposed to make us sad. It's a preach of joy. It's a, it's a preach of joy. It's a preach that says to me that if I'm reaching out to this level, I can reach out for more. But it's also a preach that says to me that I, if I keep reaching out for more without the Holy Spirit, I will exhaust myself because the truth is, we cannot do it by ourselves. In fact, to be honest, we cannot do what God wants us to do by ourselves. So let's be, if, if this is about God, then let's do it his way. I think that even in reading scriptures, I, for me, I find that even in reading scriptures, the Holy Spirit takes scriptures and he turns it into something else. It's not, it changes it from a story to something in your life that's happening to you. He does. It changes your prayer from a, a, something you're reciting to something that releases power. It changes the work of your hands from I'm only a teacher to a place where when you're, you're transforming the lives of the children that are contacting you. It changes your worship. If you're in the worship band or you're playing music in the worship band, it changes the worship from just singing to worship. It releases power. And I, and I, and I believe that there is more in Zia Church. Is God is saying to us that actually... Enough of releasing stuff in your power 
start to do it in my power and start to see that there's a difference in it. And I, I just know it. And I'm not saying this as someone who has arrived. I'm saying it as someone who knows that there's so much more to do, even for me and every one of us. And I know today that there will be four groups of people here, four different groups of people here today. There'll be a group of us who think, I, don't, I have no clue about this God. I really do not have a clue about God. That's fine. There'll be another group that says, actually, I've heard about God, you know, and I, I don't have a relationship with him. That's also fine. There's a group that says, I have a relationship with God, um, but I don't have a clue about the Holy Spirit. That's absolutely fine. The final and fourth group is a group of people that say, actually, I know about the Holy Spirit. I absolutely do. Um, but I'm saying to you that what he's saying this morning is, actually, there is more. There is more. I don't know if the worship guys are back here. You and I will do it. But <laughs> You and I would do it. <laughs> yeah. So wherever we are at in God, what he's saying is, there is more. Let, let's, let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever part of what I've mentioned to you, wherever you lie, I just want to ask you to, to talk to the Father today. Wherever you're at, to talk to the Father today. Yes, Lord. There is more. Jesus said that you will do the things that he did and more. And I, let's ask ourselves, actually, are we even, am I even doing what Jesus did? Before we now even talk about them more. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. I'm going to be asking four groups at different times to put their hands up. And I will start with a group that if there's anyone here that you feel, actually, you talk about this God, but I, I have no clue. And I, I'm going to invite, even if some, you're someone who's saying, actually, um, I'm just looking into this thing about God. I'm just, I, I, I don't have a clue about him. I'm in the process of just um, finding out that's fine. If you're someone who's saying, I, I, I've heard and um, I, want to, I want to have a relationship with him. If there's anyone like that here, I'll ask that you put your hands up. If you're here and you're saying, well, I'm a Christian, I've been for a long time, but I feel that I, I have 
no clue about this Holy Spirit. I really think I don't. Put your hands up. If you feel, I want to know more about the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm going to add the fact that I know that a lot of people have heard stories about the Holy Spirit and it's supposed to be this scary Holy Spirit that makes you do things that you don't want to do. <laughs> We're not talking about that today. We're talking about having a consciousness of what we carry, the person of the Godhead that we carry around with us and what is able to do in us and what is able to do through us. If you're someone here and you feel, well, I, I have... Um, I know about God. I know about the Holy Spirit. But earlier when you talked about the rivers of living water, I know about the Holy Spirit, but I, I just get a sense that it's almost like there's a block and I'm not moving forward or I am hungry to see more or the areas of my life that I just feel that the Holy Spirit needs to influence. I need the Holy Spirit in some parts of my life. Put your hands up if you, if you feel I, c- I could do with a bit more of this Holy Spirit. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, let's stand up on our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Um, I don't know how many uh, people are around from the prayer team. We can come forward. If you're in the prayer team, come forward, please.